Welcome to the Accountants Exposed podcast, where we create light bulb moments for our listeners by exposing the journeys, secrets, and insights of some of the top players in accounting. This podcast is brought to you by Michael Edelstein, Director and Founder of Recruitment Expert, a specialist accounting recruitment agency working across Australia, New Zealand, and Asia Pacific. Well, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, I went to the Accounting Business Expo in Melbourne, which was a resounding success. I presented on both days, but more importantly, Peter Costello was there on the first day to open up the expo. Um, had some really interesting and insightful things to say. Um, it was just good to see him talk. But so I encourage everyone to actually come to AB. Uh, I think it's in Sydney in November as well. Um, it's a good it's a good day to listen and mingle with your fellow accountants and you always learn something from each other and from the talks so luckily we've been able to record uh, one of my speeches so we've got a video which we'll put up on youtube but we'll put the sound on here so enjoy and if you have any questions about what you heard once again shoot me an email or that or give me a call. So my number is 0421892145 and my email is michael at recruitmentexpert.com.au. Happy listening. Welcome and thank you for joining me for a bit of R&R time. Recruitment and retention, of course. So, attracting and retaining talent. We know it's, well, many of us will consider it the bane of our existence, probably including myself, but I make a living out of it. You know how some of your clients see taxes and um, seeing you guys every single year as kind of a necessary evil? Others hold on to your every single word. Well, I invite you wholeheartedly to do the same of all of my words, just like your favorite clients do. So, I'm going to ask you some questions throughout the presentation, so please participate by raising your hand. So let's do a quick, I guess, practice run. Question number one. Just to get a bit of a gauge in the audience, who is a practice owner? Yep, a couple of you. Who's an employee? Anyone from man like practice management, HR? Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple of hands keep going up for every single question. <laughs> like, wow, it's a lot of hats. Hopefully you're getting paid well for it. Um, all right, anyone flew in here from somewhere else? Cool. I'll try and make it worth your while. Maybe not business class worthwhile, but like Jetstar basic fare worthwhile. Um, just to also get a bit of feedback, what are you guys wanting to get out of it? Is there a particular thing that you came in here for? Scream it out. Now I know my wife thinks I'm handsome, but surely there's something else that you came here for. <laughs> what? what? The advertising part? Okay. That takes a fair bit of time to explain, but yeah. Uh, but I will cover a little bit of that. Alright, well look, so for those that don't know me, I'm an accountant, became a recruiter a long time ago, specialised in public practice, so I've placed thousands of people into accounting firms across Australia, New Zealand, Asia Pacific, etc. So what we're going to talk about today is, look, we'll, we'll do the current issues you know, in general market overview, um, what some firms are doing better than others when it comes to recruitment and retention, and what changes you can make to improve your R&R game. All right, 
So we all survived the great exodus. Remember all of these wonderful stats? Everyone's leaving, we're not gonna have a firm, we'll have no staff. I mean, Peter Blue Siegel's probably a bit worried, but I think all of us survived and thrived. Um, but look, in, in terms of stats, I'm not going to bore you too much, but just overall, we did have the highest mobility in over 10 years with over 1.3 million people changing jobs. Um, as a general thing, let's be real, the market is still very tight. Nothing has really changed that much. The salaries are still ridiculous. Anyone own a Tesla here? No? You know, there's a ludicrous mode in there for the non-Tesla owners. It's, you know, basically disbelief would be another word. Um, I interviewed a candidate about two weeks ago, three years experience, just finished her CA. I don't think she even got a graduate certificate yet. Um, she was a 95k plus super, you know. Um, moved jobs three months earlier from 70k into a small firm back on the market because the firm was too small. So it just goes to show overpaying doesn't really pay. Yeah? Um, we've still got us three job offers in one week. So the market is still hot. Couldn't get her as high as what she wanted, because once you're on a certain level and the cost of living is rising, it gets a little bit ridiculous. Um, but in a nutshell, nothing really new except the fact that clients are getting a bit pickier, probably because they've been overpaying for salaries and hefty recruitment fees. Those bloody recruiters, hey? I get it. Look, I'm, I'm constantly telling clients to lower the offers. Um, so. If I have a client that's offering 90k and I know I can get the candidate to sign on for 85, I will push for 85 because it leaves you room to reward them for good performance. Yeah. So at the six-month probation might give them a little bit more at 12 months, give them a little bit more if they're doing well. A reduces your overheads. Yes, it reduces my fee, which is why they get flabbergasted that I actually propose that. But I'm like, well, it's because I understand there's a nexus between salaries and charge-out rates and you know write-offs. Um, and then passing probation because we have this pesky thing in our terms called money back guarantee and I hate returning hard-earned cash. So yeah, um, that, that's what I encourage you guys to do as well. But it doesn't mean you lowball, which we'll talk about later, but everyone wants a bit of a pay rise if it's reasonable and they're worth it, but you don't need to pay excessive. It just has to be a small pay rise. All right, so we know cost of living is going up. We also know people come to work for money. So when I, whenever I look at like people going on about vision and mission and values and all of that, I'm like, you're just setting yourself up to be a hypocrite, essentially, as an owner. And no offense to anyone that spent a whole weekend working on their vision and mission with their expensive marketing consultants. Um, just the reality is, <laughs> A, everyone comes to work for money. Uh, B, having seen people do it, there's, there's probably a handful of firms that I can think of in the whole country that have done a good job of differentiating themselves. This is a pretty damn hard industry to differentiate yourself in. Yeah, it's a commoditized service that we provide. So I'd say be the best version of yourself, you know, um, do things, do the simple things really well. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a simple business, keep it simple. Um, the ROI on all this differentiation stuff is not that great from what I've seen. Just do the basics well. And just get better a little bit every year. You know, like the Kaizen approach. Um, one thing that I do kind of advise is just knowing your why. You know, like I feel like firm owners get inundated these days with content. There's, you know, 
the bodies, the seminars, the business coaches, like, should you do this or should you do that? I'm like, just know who you are, know what you want, what you're here for, like, why you're running your practice. And if I talk to most homeowners, it's usually, they want to keep their clients happy and they just want a bit of work-life balance. Yeah, so just know who, what, what sort of personality you have and therefore what sort of people would work well with you. Yeah, it doesn't mean getting copies of yourself, just people that work well with you. Um, and also don't grow for growth's sake. You're just gonna burn yourself out because recruitment and retention is hard work, getting good stuff is hard work. You're just gonna be burning yourself on both sides. Know what you want, get what you want. Don't have to grow for growth's sake. Um, don't have to do this business advisory piece either. If you've got a good practice, it's growing every year by a little bit, and you've got a good firm, good staff, keep at it. Just do things a little bit better every year. The other thing is starting with the right people for your budget. So you don't need superstars. There's this thing is like, you know, one of eight great players. Um, there's a phrase that I like, which is a champion team will always be the team of champions, yeah? Probably seen that, heard that. It's usually a sports metaphor. It works just as well in corporate. Accounting is not rocket science. Sorry, I know we're all well educated, you know? I get it, it's the ACPAs, but like, it's not hard work to reconcile things. Yeah, and do a tax return. Um, you don't need crazy good people. Um, you just need a good group of people that know what they're doing and work well together. Simple again. So how do we create a team of champions? Well, number one, I would say, make sure you test them. So test your candidates, don't rely on interviews, because some of the best job hoppers are also the best interviewees. Yeah, because they've had so much practice. They've had 20 interviews over the last three years. Some of the worst interviewees that have, and some of the best placements that I've made that are still there like five, 10 years later were horrible at interviews. It's because the last time they changed jobs was 10 years ago. Yeah, so just keep that in mind. Just because someone says all the right things in the interview doesn't mean they're gonna be a great performer. Two very different things. Um, so actually, you know, test them and type them on the test. If, if it takes them three times as long to do what you would consider a fairly simple task for what they claim to be their level, you can say goodbye to your profitability and your dream lifestyle because that's, that's a lot of write-offs, yeah? So keep that in mind. Now, I know all of you guys are gonna really disagree with the next one. Don't trust the recruitment agency. Shocking. Um, but look, most of them, let's be real, most of them want to make a commission. Most of them have no idea what they're talking about. Most of them can't differentiate between a financial accountant and one of your intermediate business services accountants, okay? Um, it doesn't mean they're useless. It just, you have to know what, you, what you're dealing with and dealing with the reality. Um, as Peter Costello said yesterday, you know, for the sake of modesty, there are some notable exceptions to this. So, number three. Don't trust the candidate. Doesn't mean they're lying. It just means don't blindly take what's on their CV. Yeah, if they, if they call themselves a manager, I'll give you an example, I had a candidate that was a manager of seven years experience, it was on 100K plus. Got him three interviews, couldn't get him more than the three offers, one was 70, 75, and 77K, yeah? High level intermediate, that's what he was assessed at by the clients. Why? Because he came from a very niche firm that did particular type of clients and did a particular type of work, the same work for like the last seven years. So just because he felt he was a manager, every other firm assessed him as a high level intermediate at max, yeah? But the key word is they evaluated him, they didn't just take him at his word or at the recruiter's word. And that's the key for you guys as well. Uh, because what, what is end to end in your firm is different to end to end in another firm. 
as well. You know, what's complex, what's simple in your firm is complex in another firm. Yeah, just depends on clients and caliber. So, and it's easy to do. You can probably get one of your managers to set up a test in like an hour, to be honest. All right. Average staff for great systems, what we talked about before. Um, you don't need superstars. Keep in mind, as all well, superstars are pretty demanding sometimes. They have like greater ambitions. They're one faster promotions, they want more money. I can see some of you laughing already. I don't know whether you're the superstars that are the demanding ones or whether you are the ones that we've been on the other side. Um, but look, they're harder to satisfy, they want faster promotions, and they'll probably go elsewhere or go out on their own and take half your clients. So, you know, there's pros and cons. Another thing that I like, because I came through the system as a trainee, um, I, I don't know why the industry has decided to get rid of trainees as much. You know, it's just not a big thing anymore. Um, I think it's it was always a great system. You get four to seven years out of them. They're young, they're keen to impress, they're usually pretty good learners, um, and they're cheap. And we all love cheap, excited labor. Let's be real. Um, will they all work out? No. There's always a percentage that drop out, just hire multiple of them at the same time have good training programs. Um, another thing that all my clients do really well, not all, like my best clients, the ones that run good firms would be they're always hiring. You always want to run it over capacity uh, because the reality of our industry, we know there's a, a percentage turnover, right? Like it's basic maths. 20% is a typical long-term average. So if you run, whether you run a firm of 10 staff to 100 staff, you're going to get two people that leave a year, you're going to get 20 people that leave a year. In the last couple of years, we had Instead of 20%, where you saw PwC had 44%, average is probably about 25, 30% in the last two years. Yeah? So you know you're gonna lose staff. So when clients go, oh no, we don't have any people, like, you do. It'll just be tomorrow or in two weeks' time when someone says they're going to Mad Leave, they're going to London, they're going to commerce, or they're going to another firm. Or they're dropping out. Yeah? It's just a matter of time. So run it over capacity. Because what you wanna avoid is a cascade of burnout and given the current market, it takes way longer than what you used to, to recruit another competent person, if they work out, yeah? So instead of like two to three weeks, we used to just chuck up an ad, it might take you six to eight weeks now to get someone decent. That six to eight weeks, especially if it's a busy period, that's your staff suffering. Then they wanna leave as well, yeah? Don't wanna be in that position. So yes, within reason, but have that thing of like, someone will leave, I might as well get a bit of overcapacity. Most of you have clients coming out of your years. So you, you could bring on more work, like if you needed to fill up that capacity, if you're worried about, oh well, I'm gonna lose profit. Yes, there might be a temporary slide, but if you run a practice that's accustomed to running it over capacity, well, that's gonna be integrated into your numbers and your charge out rates anyway. Um, the other thing is, let's do a reality check. If, if you're relying on HR, um, yes, you can do that, but keep in mind HR are staff, they do leave and change jobs yeah, every one or two years as well. They're not the owner. They usually don't understand the industry unless they come from the industry. Um, because yesterday they worked for some marketing company, tomorrow they're gonna go to a law firm. Um, so whether it's a practice manager or HR. So plus they're competing with your mid-tiers and your big fours which have five to 20 people in the talent acquisition teams. Plus all the agencies as well. It's pretty hard work to do that. Same as you, like we talked about ad writing. Are you a copywriting specialist? Is your ad going to stand out? Or is it just going to get drowned out by recruitment agencies like us that post hundreds of ads all the time um, and do it for a living every single day? Plus interview people, plus 
all we do is spend time talking to people in the market. Every day, day in, day out, so the relationship network is there. Your HR personal practice manager is not going to have that. Um, and we know that seek responses are really, really low these days. It's hard to find someone like you used to get three to five years ago just on seek. All right, the other big thing that I'll always recommend is link remuneration to performance. So reward people based on how they actually perform. Get this rid of this like, oh, well, I work for you for this long, I should get this much on this level, I should get this much on CPI increase. Um, link it to, look, you can do it, you can do it based on individual performance, you can do it on team performance, you can do it on firm performance. Yeah, depending on what kind of culture you have and want to create. It could be any, if the firm or the team reaches above a certain EBITDA, whether it's 25 or 30%, whatever, however you're running firm, everyone gets a profit share of this much, yeah, of the access performance. It could be a team thing. If you've got a multiple, an average multiple of two and a half, if that individual gets above two and a half, he gets 5% or 10%, he or she, yeah? Just something for them to look forward to and reward them for good performance rather than just because they've been there. And create a better high-performing culture as well. Um, because what you want to avoid is kind of that profitability downward spiral where salaries are going up from your new hires. Everyone in your current firm is complaining about the fact that the new guy is getting more. Your clients are complaining because you have to keep increasing their fees to keep up. Um, and it kind of just becomes a downward spiral because I know most of you don't like raising your fees. So if you link it to performance, you kind of avoid that. It's connected to the next point. Explain the freaking system. Most candidates I interview, they have no idea about like how their salary is linked to the charge rates, linked to you know, the write-offs and the utilization, productivity, etc. No idea. So for them, they're just like, oh, I just want to, you know, I don't feel I'm getting paid enough. I'm like, well, why don't you go and talk to your boss, print out your productivity report, show how much you're billing for them, and ask for a third of that. They're like, what do you mean? Where do I get a productivity report from? Um, so explain how it works, link it up to performance, you solve your problem with salaries and unreasonable expectations quite quickly. Don't lowball candidates. It's another thing. Um, I'm not saying overpay. I'm just saying don't be one of my clients. I remember last year, I gave him a three-year auditor that was grossly underpaid. She was on 55K. He offered her 55K. The reason she was leaving is because she wanted more. You know? All right. Don't lowball the recruiters as well. So keep in mind, they're commission-driven. There are more jobs than candidates in the marketplace. So if I have a great candidate with three job offers, who do you think I'm going to guide them to? If you had a client that said, hey, can you do my tax and financials for a thousand bucks? Whereas you normally would charge three and a half grand for that, would you take on that client? Probably not. Why in the world would a recruiter send you the top talent for a 30% discount? doesn't make sense. Also guys, you get ROI on your candidates. Our fee is negligible because you are getting a revenue earner. Unlike your brethren in commerce where they have to hire someone and pay them 100 grand, that 100 grand is an overhead plus the recruitment fee is an overhead. Very different. It's, this ROI makes no sense to negotiate on the fee to be honest that much. Um, not to mention if you lowball candidates and lowball the recruiter, you probably become a source firm pretty quickly. All right, my favorite thing, well, favorite thing, it's, uh, it's the most important thing. It's like, how do you actually do the retention piece, okay? Um, you, need, you need the engagement part, okay? And this is what I, 
It's what I get from my clients almost daily. Can you, can you get me someone? Can you get me five? And this is the criteria. So I'm like, as a good recruiter, I'm like, what's the job brief? And that's the job brief. <laughs> so how many of you feel that you have an engaged workforce? Yeah, a couple, a couple, exactly. So based on like the, the stats from Gallup, which is pretty reliable, 80, 10 to 20% of staff are engaged. It means 80 to 90% of your people do not feel engaged. Do not want to be there and are constantly kind of a lookout. You know, if a recruiter calls them, they might be open. So keep in mind, there, there are poor hires and there are poorly trained or poorly managed hires as well. And they're two very different things. So how do we engage? Well, number one is health self-awareness, okay? Um, know whether you actually enjoy managing people, whether you're a good people manager or not, okay? If, if you're not, learn how to manage, then learn how to lead. If you're not, be honest and hire someone. Have a care factor, so do the basics really well. You know, know the kids' names, ask them how the weekend was, send a care package when they're sick, know their anniversaries, tell them they worked for you, that kind of thing. Little things go a long way, put them in your calendar, it's not that hard. Get your admin or reception person to do it if you want to. Um, hybrid models, we know that the latest research shows that 75% want hybrid as an option, 20% would resign if it's not offered. So look, you, you will need to offer the work from home options, the, um, the four day weeks, the different hours, just give staff flexibility to look after their children and work when they can. Like, if you have to babysit them, they're probably not the right person for you, but have a framework and expectations that the firm and the clients are still number one priority. So if it doesn't work, then you rescind that privilege. Um, good training, great systems, you know, future roadmap. So basically have a proper onboarding process yeah, not just hoping that Mary over there in the corner uh, will train the new guy, John, even though Mary is dealing with client number five, trying to explain to him why she can't give an accountant's letter to the mortgage broker. Okay? You need someone that's probably going to be dedicated to actually training your staff and onboarding them. Um, culture. Have good, like, have high expectations. Don't hire shit people. Yeah? Be transparent with what everything is about, how to become a partner, what that means, how do you get vendor financing, what's the, what's the payback period, what is, what is the dream, be the dream lifestyle, sell the dream, don't be the nightmare, don't be the middle-aged divorced accountant that hasn't had a holiday in three years and doesn't sleep much, just rambling on about section 100A, you know, it, as I said, it's a simple business, like if, if you be aspirational, essentially, be the business you would want to have worked for when you were younger. It's literally that simple. If you, are, if you look at your business like, I probably wouldn't want to work here, okay, well then, time for a change, yeah? Other thing is, know your people. People are motivated when, they, when they're doing something they're good at, naturally, and they're playing to their strengths. So, and, and, and you have a whole range in accounting firms. You have those that, love compliance work and they'll just bang out 300 grand of compliance work and they'll happily do without you know dealing with staff and clients they have others that love to manage a team there are others that love to do advisory work or, or the business development part of dealing with clients you need to know who your people are don't don't do this like what 95 percent of firms do which is like one size fits all model different people for different things all right this is basic but hard for most people um i find females do it a lot better than males as well I think employer recognition is a simple thing. People like a pat on the back. It motivates them. 
feel-good factor, they stay longer. Yeah? Find opportunities, they did something well. After a meeting with a client, hey, you did that really well, it gives them feedback so they're also learning and growing. Um, if you want to, and it's free, guys. Pat on the back is free. We all appreciate it. Um, if you want to take them out for lunch when the team does really well overall. The other thing is, all the studies show that people are motivated when they, there's progress. You know, jobs are getting closed, things are getting done. If, you're, if you are the spanner in the works, either your workflow processes are crap or you are the spanner in the works because it takes three to four weeks to get back to the person to get something from a client for you to review the work, they don't get that job satisfaction of a job well done. They don't get that dopamine rush, yeah? So make sure your workflows are good, your clients are told when to bring in work, how to bring in work, and you review things quickly or get someone to do the review if you can't do it. Um, because you basically... If, you want to be the Facebook or the Instagram of accounting, you know? They do something, job well done, you press like, which is the recognition piece before. They'll be addicted to work. You'll struggle to get them out of the office. Then you have a burnout problem. We can talk about that later. Okay? But have good KPIs and measurement systems in place. The other thing we're seeing a lot of successful is VAs and offshore teams. Get rid of as much admin work as possible from yourself, from your team. Um, I have a client that has eight offshore members per one onshore member. Yeah, eight to one, crazy ratio. But when they're so cheap, why wouldn't you? They, keep in mind their average client fee is about 35 grand as well, but they over-service their clients with that many staff per client. You don't need to have many clients as well when you're charging 30 to 40 grand a year. Um, you can also afford to pay over and above market rates, which means your staff are likely to stay. So. You know, and you're running a much more profitable firm. So there's a lot of benefits. Um, we'll give you an example. We do offshore and onshore recruitment, actually. Uh, one of my clients uh, recently placed a person for them based in Philippines. Paid them 1,200 bucks a month. That's 14 grand a year, 15 grand a year. You have four offshore people for the price of one grad locally. The grad that's probably going to leave in six months because they don't want to do any of the menial tasks you get them to do. The accountant in the Philippines has been working for four and a half years now as an accountant, loves their job, happy to do menial tasks all day in. Just to give you a bit of perspective of what's possible. Um, the other thing you can do is, look, you can, you can do the trendy stuff. So, you know, opening up the business advisory thing, offering staff equity, profit share, birthdays off, nine day fortnights five weeks annual leave. Um, yes, they're all good. Some of them have more impact from an attraction perspective than others. I'd say the nine day fortnight and five weeks for sure, huge attraction points. Um, the five weeks annual leave, I would probably argue would be your lowest cost, biggest ROI thing. It doesn't cost that much to offer an extra week. You're probably gonna be closed for that week anyway. You probably need a holiday as well. It's a great attraction point for now anyway until it becomes a norm. All right, so. If, if there are any, look, three takeaways, I'd say salary, link salaries to performance, to the care factor, and, and, and track progress so they get a bit of job well done kind of aspect to it, and they know how they perform. Otherwise, keep it simple. And if you have any other questions, let me know. Um, these are my details, and I'll be around. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Please like our podcast and share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it is you hang out so more people can benefit from these speakers. Also, please subscribe on our website so you get all of our latest episodes. And if there's anything else I can help you with or you have speakers you'd love to hear from or some feedback about the current episode, please feel free to send an email to michael at recruitmentexpert.com.au. Until then, take care and I look forward to connecting with you in the future.